loving Father in heaven, thank you for your goodness and love and mercy that you show unto us in the spiritual blessings you give to us and also the temporal blessings. We acknowledge them and we say may all praise, glory, honor and adoration be unto your holy name now and forevermore. Dear Lord, grant to us the grace of your spirit as we go through your word. We ask Lord that you will give us ability to rightly divide the word of truth. We pray Father that all that we will learn will be a means for us to become more like you in our character, that we may rightly represent you to the rest of the world and that we may indeed build ourselves in preparation for the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name of prayer, Amen. Conflict and Courage, September 15. Let us build. Then I told them of the hand of my God which was good upon me, and they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 18. With sorrow-stricken heart, the visitor from afar gazed upon the ruined defenses of his loved Jerusalem. And is it not thus that angels of heaven survey the condition of the Church of Christ? Like the dwellers at Jerusalem, we become accustomed to existing evils and often are content while making no effort to remedy them. But how are these evils regarded by beings divinely illuminated? Do not they, like Nehemiah, look with sorrow-burdened heart upon ruined walls and gates burned with fire? Nehemiah bore a royal commission requiring the inhabitants to cooperate with him in rebuilding the walls of the city, but he did not depend upon the exercise of authority. He sought rather to gain the confidence and sympathy of the people, knowing that a union of hearts as well as of hands was essential in the great work before him. There is need of Nehemiahs in the church today, not men who can pray and preach only but men whose prayers and sermons are braced with firm and eager purpose. The success attending Nehemiah's efforts shows what prayer, faith, and wise energetic action will accomplish. The spirit manifested by the leader will be to a great extent reflected by the people. If the leaders professing to believe the solemn, important truths that are to test the world at this time 
manifests no ardent zeal to prepare a people to stand in the day of God, we must expect the church to be careless, indolent, and pleasure-loving. Nehemiah was a reformer, a great man raised up for an important time. As he came in contact with evil and every kind of opposition, fresh courage and zeal were aroused. His energy and determination inspired the people of Jerusalem, and strength and courage took the place of feebleness and discouragement. His holy purpose, his high hope, his cheerful consecration to the work were contagious. The people caught the enthusiasm of their leader, and in his sphere, each man became a Nehemiah and helped to make stronger the hand and heart of his neighbor. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Let Us Build. Left off with Nehemiah getting the commission from the king to go and build the walls, the streets of Jerusalem. And we learned the lesson of diligence in labor and we will learn further lessons in that as we keep studying about Nehemiah. We also learned the lesson of understanding the concept that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Nehemiah, having gotten the commission from the king, then went down to Jerusalem. Nehemiah 2, reading from verse 11 to 16, says, So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days, and I arose in the night, I and some few men with me. Neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me, save the beast that I rode upon. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well, and to the dung port, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem which were broken down, and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. Then I went on to the gate of the fountain, and to the king's pool, but there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. Then I went up in the night by the brook, and viewed the wall, and turned back, and entered by the gate of the valley, and so returned. And the rulers knew not whither I went, or what I did. Neither had I as yet told it to the Jews, nor to the priests, nor to the nobles, nor to the rulers, nor to the rest that did the work. Here, as Nehemiah inspected Jerusalem's walls in his day, like we saw in the devotion, God is in need of those who will first inspect the Jerusalem walls of their own hearts and see how fortified it is, whether they are broken down and in need of repair, or whether the gates are burned with fire, whether there are weak spots in it, and we need to make fortifications in the walls and the gates of Jerusalem, the Jerusalem of our own hearts. What do I mean by the Jerusalem of our hearts? The wall of Jerusalem represents for us the standard which the Spirit of the Lord raises against the enemy. The purpose of a wall is to keep the enemies of the city away and to stop the inroads of the enemy into the city to make it actually impossible for them to enter 
to make the city fortified and impregnable from the assaults of the enemy. Every heart of every individual is a city and a wall needs to encompass it and there needs to be gates. It doesn't mean that nothing is to enter the city but the gates of the city are to be opened only by choice not that it is just wide open and everything and anything comes in we need to only open the gates of the city for whom we choose to open it to in the book of first corinthians chapter 15 verse 26 we are told who our enemy is that shouldn't enter into the city of our hearts it says the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death but that's the last enemy Death has its precursor. Romans 6 verse 23 tells us, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So, the enemy actually is sin. James 1 verse 14 and 15 tells us, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. If death is our last enemy, we need to know who is the one that brings about death. It is that person called sin. Sin is the enemy. Sin needs to be kept out of the city of Jerusalem, of our hearts. The gates of our city need to be closed to sin. The walls need to be raised up and fortified so that sin will be kept out and it needs to only open to righteousness. This Day with God, page 199, paragraph 3, tells us what the wall is, the standard that is to be raised to protect the city of Jerusalem. It says in This Day with God, page 199, paragraph 3, when Satan seeks to deceive the child of faith and trust, God lifts up a standard against the enemy in behalf of those who are conscientiously working in harmony with him. The standard which he uplifts is his law. Those who work righteousness have an ever-present friend to help them. In every time of need and trouble and perplexity, he is near them. When they are tempted, he presents himself as their defense, saying, I will guide thee with mine eye, I will deliver thee from perplexity, and, by, and be a covert for thee against the strife of tongues. End of quote. So, we are reformers as Nehemiah was. And if we inspect the wall of our hearts, we need to see, is the standard up? Are the gates burnt with fire? In other words, is the law of God up in your heart? The Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against the enemy. And what is the standard? The standard is the law. We need to reform. And reformation has to do with going back to the law of God. Of a truth, God is in need of those who will, like Nehemiah, weep and be in sorrow for the state of God's broken down church. Nehemiah was in this case like Jeremiah who for love for his people always wept for the sad decline in morality and spirituality of his people. But what does it take to become someone who can weep for the state of our lives and that of other people? 
it takes one who views things in the same light as God. Do you have the divine illumination? Nehemiah had it. He saw things differently. While some will not cry at the broken down walls and gates that are burned with fire in Jerusalem, those who have the divine eyes, who sees things the way God sees it, who sees things the way the angels in heaven sees it, will weep in sorrow for the state of God's church today. It takes one who trembles at the word of God. But you may say, I read God's word and I don't see anything that makes me to tremble. It's our own choice how we react, how we react or feel towards God's word. Ezra trembled at God's word. Nehemiah trembled at God's word. Why did they tremble? Because they started to see God's sorrow and let his anguish become their anguish. Conflict and Courage, page 264, paragraph 2 says, With sorrow-stricken heart, the visitor gazed from afar upon the ruined defenses of his loved Jerusalem. And is it not thus that angels of heaven survey the condition of Christ's church? End of quote. We need to make God's pain our pain and his joy our joy. We need to feel his hurt and be in anguish over the things that make him to be in anguish. This is the only way we can have the same burden in our hearts for God's people like Nehemiah did. And unless there are men who feel the weight of this burden that God also has in his own heart for his church, we cannot do proper service for God. Many have hearts that are unfeeling and cold. The cold hands of sin have so chilled their nerves that they don't recoil at it anymore. We don't blush. They hear of grievous evils done by God's people in his church and it does not move them. It awakens no fear in them. But Ezra was not like this. Nehemiah was not like this. At a certain time, we have already looked at that, when Ezra heard of the intermarriage of the people of Judah with the heathen, his reaction just goes to show us how different we view things today. Ezra chapter 9 verse 3, it says, And when I heard this thing, I rent my garment and my mantle and plucked off the hair of my head and of my beard and sat down astonished. He was so troubled. And it was visible so that those who were around him began to share in his anguish. Verse 4 says, Then were assembled unto me everyone that trembled at the words of God, of the God of Israel, because of the transgression of those that had been carried away. And I sat astonished until the evening sacrifice. Can you sit astonished because of your church members marry non-believers? Ezra did, Nehemiah did, and we'll see more on that. Do you think it's a sense of your righteousness or civility to act so calmly? You don't tremble and you see sin in the church of God and you're calm about it and you think, oh, I'm just being civilized. Was Ezra, Ezra uncivilized? Is it because he was not in control of himself or he lacked self-control that he tore out his beards and his hair? and was astonished sitting down because of ordinary, in our minds, ordinary intermarriage of his people with the heathen. We need to see things the way God sees it and unless we do that, we cannot be reformers. We need to look and say to ourselves, this is sin. When God calls something an abomination, when he's weeping over something, are you weeping over it? 
God said in the book of Micah chapter 6 to understand the mind of our God. Micah 6 reading from verse 3 says, O my people, what have I done unto thee, and wherein have I wearied thee? Testify against me. For I brought thee out of the land of Egypt, and redeemed thee out of the house of servants, and I sent before thee Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O my people, remember now what Balak king of Moab consulted, and what Balaam the son of Beor answered him, from Shittim unto Gilgal, that you may know the righteousness of the Lord. Why did I read this passage? Because I want you to understand the politeness and the sensitivity and the heart of God. The first time I ever came across this passage, my heart melted. The way the Lord addressed me, he said, you can hear it, oh my people, he's pleading with us. And my heart felt it and I said, wow, our God is polite. And then he tells us what to do. Verse 6 to 8 says, Wherewithal shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with cows of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has showed thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God? Are we weeping with God over Jerusalem? Or do we get indignant over the things that he gets indignant over? Do we hate with the same hatred that which he hates? Do we feel his anguish? When we read in his word concerning how he rejoices over those who do good, do you also rejoice and feel like the angels in heaven? Or are we, as the prodigal son's brother, not only indifferent towards it, but even offended that God is joyful over one sinner that repents? When we read of how God detests sin and calls some things abomination, are we feeling it too? When God says, I find this thing so detestable, so abominable, is it acceptable to you? Do you feel okay about something God said is abominable? Then you cannot be a reformer. You cannot be like Nehemiah. You will not see any reason to say, let us build. Do you find something that God says is evil pleasurable? For example, Deuteronomy 22 verse 5, Leviticus 11, Deuteronomy 14. Things that God said are abomination in cross-dressing, in the diet, telling lies, Sowing seed of discord, gossiping, God calls these things this thing abominable, but do you find pleasure in them when sitting down watching the entertainment of people who are killing one another and you are laughing? When God says the feet that is quick to shed blood is abominable to him, but there we are sitting down in front of the television, we are happy. Angels are weeping for the broken down walls of Jerusalem in your heart, but you are smiling and you are happy about it. Angels of God weep as they see the spiritual walls of Jerusalem broken down and the city left in ruins, but men are indifferent. Even they are finding pleasure in the broken down walls. They don't even want it to be built up. They want the city to remain it as it is. They don't want it to be restored. They are fine with it. They are fine with the state of the church. They are fine with the fact that the church is turning to a 
place of entertainment. They are fine with the fact that the walls are broken down and the theology and the teachings coming from the pulpit are not in harmony with the word of God. They want it to remain that way. They like the entertainment coming in through the dramas in the church. They like the choreography that is going on. They are enjoying it. They don't see it as broken down walls. But God is in need of Nehemiah's today who will see these things through the eyes of the angels to through the divine illumination and will weep for the broken down walls but will not stop at weeping but will do something about it. And why is this so? For others like in the days of Nehemiah they have become accustomed to the ruined cities of Jerusalem and the broken down walls that they are not moved and unfeeling about it. Conflict and Courage, page 264, paragraph 2 says, Like the dwellers at Jerusalem, we become accustomed to existing evils and often are content while making no effort to remedy them. But how are these evils regarded by beings divinely illuminated? Do not they, like Nehemiah, look with sorrow, burdened heart upon ruined walls and gates burned with fire? End of quote. But Nehemiah was determined that he will not sit still while the walls of Jerusalem remains broken down and its streets in ruins. He was not going to be content with such a low standard. He was going to lift up the walls and repair the city and its streets. He was going to restore Jerusalem to its former glory. The spirit of Nehemiah and Ezra actuated those around them and they gathered around Nehemiah that all of them both in their different cases and rose up to build. It was even them who told Nehemiah, let us rise up and build. Conflict and Courage, page 264, paragraph 4 says, The spirit manifested by the leader will be to a great extent reflected by the people. If the leaders professing to believe the solemn important truths that are to test the world at this time manifest no ardent zeal to prepare a people to stand in the day of God, we must expect the church to be careless, indolent and pleasure-loving. End of quote. This here is the reason. This is the reason the walls remain the way they are, a lack of leadership. The church is careless, indolent and pleasure-loving because the leaders are like that too. This work embarked on by Nehemiah is a work that we all need to embark on, a work of reformation. And in what areas are these reforms needed? In just about every area of our lives. We cannot sit still while we see the church broken down. Angels of God weep because of it. If we are one with Christ, our interest will be one with him. And we will feel his pain on account of the departure from right in the church. There was a time when even a profligate, just by passing the gates of the church of God, will take off his cap in reverence for the presence of God in the place. Now the same profligates are treated as the elite and honored in the church. It was once that when people come to church, they live there with a broken and contrite heart, with a greater determination to renew their commitment to God and deal with the defects of character in their lives. But now, people leave the church in a gay, pleasure-loving attitude. Many churches are just carnivals. It's a party, well nigh a clubhouse. I have heard some comments on how the day's service was. It was fun. That's what they say. You wouldn't even tell they are coming from church. They said, 
that they had a swell time dancing themselves to stupor, eating and drinking. The politician can go to church and no one weeps for him. The pastors promote them. They don't exhort them to stay clear of every evil and do justice and mercy. They are celebrated. Thieves and frosters can go to church and they live the same way they came because no one is doing a work of reform to call them from their sins. I do not necessarily blame them. But the clergy has its part to play, majorly the clergy. But even when someone rises to weep like Nehemiah and do a work of reform, there are those who will rise against the person to stifle the work. In Mosh chapter 5 verse 10 says, They hate him that rebuketh in the gate, and they abhor him that speaketh uprightly. Today, many professed Christians can sit for hours watching some form of entertainment, but they complain. When they come to the house of God for a few hours, they go to watch a football match for 90 minutes and then extra time for another 30 minutes and then they watch till the penalties. As they are enjoying themselves but they cannot endure the presence of, that, of the Lord for that long. And some will watch program after program after program but when they come to church they say please close early, let us leave. They cannot endure the presence of God. But in the other times it's not just that they cannot endure the presence of God. The things coming from the pulpit is not something that is even pleasurable. Not in the sense that it is not the truth, but it's just dry sermonizing. Things that cannot even quicken their hearts and make them feel their need for Jesus. It is empty talk many times and the people want to go home. And how about the dress? Hmm. I remember the days when some ladies could blush for shame because the wind blew up their skirts and just some portion, just a little portion of their laps were revealed and they are already blushing for shame. But the walls of Jerusalem gradually began to break down. We saw it when it was happening. The skirts became shorter and the gown also became shorter and shorter to the point that when they now sit, it goes up so short that it goes above their laps and you can see between their legs. They could blush for some time when they came to church. Then they would take a handkerchief and put it across their laps and across their knees to cover it so that no one could see between their legs. But now, the wall has been so raised, the gates are open that you can see through the legs. It has been destroyed to the ground. I can see Jerusalem. Almost no one uses the handkerchief anymore which even itself was just a makeshift for the evil that was already going on. Yeah, the skirts are above the laps even when they stand and when they sit, oh my, the veil is lifted and everyone has a view into the most holy place. It is exposed. The Jerusalem walls are down. It is broken. The gates are on fire, but no one is weeping. Jeremiah 6 verse 13 to 14 says, For from the least of them, even unto the greatest of them, everyone is given to covetousness. From the prophet, even unto the priest, everyone dealt falsely. They have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people, slightly saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. And that's addressed to the leaders. A lack of leadership is the problem. And now it is being taken to another level. Though the ladies dare not wear the abomination of cross-dressing into the church, it's coming. They are doing it for their children. The girl child is being indoctrinated in this abomination, but no one is ashamed of it. Jeremiah 6 verse 15 and 16 says, Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? 
Were they ashamed when they were wearing the trousers into the church or even outside the church? Were they ashamed when they were eating things that were abominable, watching people shedding blood on the TV? I was in this too. I was in it. But when you encounter the word of God, your heart will change. You will be like Nehemiah. You will be like Ezra. Those things which you once had pleasure in, you will see things through the eyes of God, divinely illuminated. You will abhor these things and start seeing things for what they are. The girl child, like I was saying, is being indoctrinated in the abomination, but no one is ashamed. And Jesus says to us, Jeremiah 6 verse 15, Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. Therefore, they shall fall among them that fall. At the time that I visit them, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. Here is the solution now, a work of reform. Stand in the ways and see and ask for the old parts. Where is the good way and walk therein and ye shall find rest to your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. No, no, no. Let us say, let us rise and build. They said they will not walk therein. But you, what will you say? Two classes of people. Some said we will not walk therein. But in Nehemiah's day, they said, let us rise up and build. Through the words of Isaiah, God shows just what he would do when he sees the church broken down. And he said, ah, I will ease me of mine adversaries. And how about the walls of social reform and Sabbath reform? They also are broken down. Everything and anything is acceptable. Just tell people not to break the Sabbath in cooking and discussing things that are not relevant to discuss their own pleasures on the Sabbath. Some of them, many will revolt against you. Those walls are also broken down. It is these walls that Nehemiah came to build back in Jerusalem as he wept for what he was seeing in the gates that were burned with fire and walls that were broken down. In light of all of this, we can see Nehemiah 2 verse 17 to 18. Then said I unto them, You see, like I have just shown you now, you see the distress that we are in in this church. You see the distress that we are in. The church members are so involved in politics, they, uh, their eyes are so blinded, they will justify anything to, uh, to do what they want, voting on the Sabbath, pushing forward politicians in the church going on to break in the sabbath in all ways possible engaged in worldliness just as much as the world itself in fact some people who don't know god are even better than people who are going to church they have some values for themselves that they follow but many in the church have no values for lack of preaching in the church telling them don't do this and there are many other things that are distressing the church like nehemiah we can say in nehemiah 2 verse 17 you see the distress that we are in how how jerusalem lieth to waste and the gates thereof are burned with fire pastors are fighting themselves for position the gates thereof are burned with fire what do we do about it nehemiah said to the people come let us build up the wall of jerusalem that we be no more our reproach the church is indeed a reproach what is it doing? Some churches are accepting abortion. Others are saying, oh yes, let's get the lesbian, gay, community, LGBT into the church. They are now like the world. Everything about them is broken down. And then Nehemiah said, come, let us build. Come, let us build. 
so that we will no longer be a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's word that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. What do we learn from Nehemiah here? He had the divine commission, the royal commission, which to us is the word of God that says, Go into all the world and preach. But he did not say to them, Look, I am the governor of Jerusalem and the king has said, You must work with me. No. He showed them the walls. That is what we ought to do. Show the people. Look at what we are. This is not what we are supposed to be. These walls are broken down. The gates is burned with fire. The people need to be explained to the word of God carefully. That was what Nehemiah did. Showed them. And that is a pattern we must go through. Get the people to understand what is truth without having to have any contention with them and let their hearts be stirred up to see for themselves wherein they have fallen, to see their indifference towards the walls of Jerusalem in their hearts and how they have permitted a lot of evil to come into their lives and in the church. And after showing them, we can tell them, see the gates thereof, they are burned with fire, come let us do a work of reform social reform sabbath reform educational reform the worlds are burnt with fire look at our children they went to the schools and they are learning all kinds of evil come let us build nehemiah was a reformer we read a great man raised up for an important time as he came in contact with evil on every kind of opposition, fresh courage and zeal were aroused. His energy and determination inspired the people of Jerusalem, and strength and courage took the place of feebleness and discouragement. His holy purpose, his high hope, his cheerful consecration to the work were contagious. The people caught the enthusiasm of their leader, and in his fear, each man became a Nehemiah and helped to make stronger the hand and heart of his neighbor. End of quote. That's Conflict and Courage, page 264, paragraph 5. And if we have that spirit of Nehemiah, we will also inspire others to be Nehemiahs. Today is also an important time in whatever place we find ourselves. We don't need to be a governor like Nehemiah, mothers, fathers, children, church members, pastors, elders, deacons, deaconesses. We can all say as the Spirit of God touches our hearts, as you hear these messages, let us rise up and build. What is the pattern? We are to be like these men, Ezra and Nehemiah. We will build it according to whatever we see in the word of God. We will not pick and choose and say, oh no, we will neglect this part of the word and we will accept only this part. But we will do according to all that the Lord says. We will pick our Bibles and whatever we read, we will do. Let us build the walls of social reform to guard us from the sin of adultery fornication, masturbation, pornography, lusts, so that it will not come and destroy the streets and lay us waste. Build the walls. And what are these walls? Follow the principles written in the word of God on how we are to relate with one another. The Bible says in Leviticus 20 verse 17 that it is not good for anyone to see the nakedness of even his own sister or brother. Then that leads us to the wall 
to build the wall of dress reform also. Let us build the walls of dress reform that we may give a right representation of God and be in health and by our dress awaken thoughts of holiness in the minds of others and in our own minds. By our dress, Jerusalem may be exposed or Jerusalem may be protected. By our dress, we may awaken thoughts of lust in the minds of others or we may awaken in them thoughts of purity, sanctity and holiness. Let us build the wall of educational reform that, in the, that the inroads of satanic philosophy and satanic education and theories will not overthrow the knowledge of God in our minds and the minds of our children. Look at the walls of Jerusalem, how they are broken down. Now the church is pushing forward evolution. Now the theology of the church is changing. Why? Because the leaders are receiving their education from the world. Let us rise up and build. And above all, let us rise up and build the wall of Sabbath reform, the seal of God, that the world may know who our God truly is, that he is the God who created in six days and rested the seventh. Mothers, rise up and build as you see your daughters being swept away by the filth on the social media and you see your sons being taken by the lust and covetousness of money making and being unruly in the world. Fathers, let us rise up and build for the Jerusalem walls are broken down in our families. The children have been infiltrated with the movies and the cartoons that are teaching them evil. Tom and Jerry and all kinds of cartoons that you think are innocent are sowing seeds of deception, seeds of evil in the minds of your children. Begin by confessing your own sin as to how you were the instrument in breaking down those walls and be assured that God will forgive you. Having done this, rise up and build, not by compulsion but by education. Pastors, look at your members and ask them the question as it is in Isaiah chapter 21, chapter 1 verse 21 to 23. How is the faithful city become an harlot? It was full of judgment, righteousness lodged in it, but now murderous. Thy silver is become dross, thy wine mixed with water. The princes are rebellious and companions of thieves. Everyone loveth gifts and followeth after rewards. They judge not the fatherless, neither doth the cause of the widow come unto them. Rise up and build, not only by prayer and weeping, but by taking action. As we saw in page 264, paragraph 4 of Conflict and Courage, there is need of Nehemiahs in the church today. Not men who can pray and preach only, but men whose prayers and sermons are braced with firm and eager purpose. The success attending Nehemiah's efforts shows what prayer, faith, and wise energetic action will accomplish. The spirit manifested by the leader will be to a great extent reflected by the people. If the leaders professing to believe the solemn important truths that are to test the world at this time manifest no ardent zeal to prepare a people to stand in the day of God, we must expect the church to be careless, indolent and pleasure-loving." But remember that Nehemiah was no pastor 
He was no priest. He was no elder. He was no deacon. He was just a mere man who was sad at the deplorable state of God's church. So, this devotion is not just addressing leaders. It's addressing every single person. Nehemiah was a man just like you. No church position. He got no permission from any priests, but took upon himself the work of rebuilding Jerusalem. This is an example to us who are the lay members of the church. As Nehemiah was a reformer, God has this office of a reformer for anyone who chooses to fill it. Prayer alone will not solve the problem. We can organize programs and seminars with our own funds and invite people over to learn. We can make all kinds of efforts on social media and in our local churches and we can build there. We can begin to have devotions with our family members or visit friends and have Bible studies with them and thereby we can say, let us build. As far as we can see the need of God's church, let us not wait for the way to be made straight. Let us not wait for every obstacle to be removed, but let us rise up and build build as the providence of God dictates and as far as we build on the foundation of God's of the word of God the work can never fail the Lord will prosper every sincere action that has that holy purpose and is mixed with faith prayer and energetic work it will be prospered the Lord bless you as you are touched in your family in your office and as a leader in your church or in your own life just by yourself as you hear this and say to yourself i need to rise up and build the jerusalem walls of my heart is broken down the lord will bless you and you will be successful as far as you follow all you need to do let us pray loving father in heaven we thank you for your word which you have sent to us today to help us to rise up and build and do a work of reform in our lives and in the life of anyone under our jurisdiction or our guidance. We pray, help us, Lord, not to make shipwreck of this work, but direct us with your Holy Spirit. Please, Lord, touch the hearts of those who have listened. Certain things have been said that they may not understand and see that this is the broken wall of Jerusalem but Lord please do not let the birds to take this seed of the word of God do not let the thorns to choke it or that it may not have root in their hearts but may it bring forth fruit 30 60 and 100 fold in their lives that they may rise up and build to the glory of your holy name in Jesus name I've prayed Amen the Lord doth build up Jerusalem. He gathereth together the outcasts of Israel. He healeth the broken heart and bindeth up their wounds. He telleth the number.
satisfied the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all. 